right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. I'm here with Gary Brugman. Uh, Gary, the man, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Appreciate you taking the time. Uh, like I said before the show, super excited about this. So, thanks for having me, man. Uh, this is a new podcast to me, and I was checking out your uh, your site. You make some great stuff. I appreciate that. Yesterday we just had uh, Jason Piccolo on the podcast. Tomorrow we have Ian Scotto. I think you've been on his show as well. You're yes, yes. Ian's a good friend of mine. Yeah, and now you're finally hitting the mainstream with the Signature Seventy Six show, man. So happy to have you on. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, man. So let's just start with this. I know kind of the, at least from what I was able to find out, um, the, one of the more notable things that's happened with you recently is you were pardoned by President Trump. So let's just start right. there. Um, how did that come about? Man, uh, real quick, if you want to push back, roll back 20 years, 19 years, 11 months and seven days before I got pardoned. Uh, I, I was working Eagle Pass, Texas as a Border Patrol agent, did nine years in the Coast Guard became a border patrol agent and I was chasing a group of illegals that crossed into the, into the U S and uh, I chased them for about a mile and a half. They were out running me cause I had a bunch of gear and they were, they were flying, they were going over fences and, and, and uh, across some ditches and a trainee agent caught the group and was trying to get them to sit down. And uh, he had them in like a semicircle in front of him and some were sitting, some were standing, but there were two behind them that had their bags and they were squatting. And they're doing, you know, like the up and down motion. I didn't know if they were going to jump the agent or if they were going to run. It was getting dark. So I ran up. I flanked them. I put my hand on my weapon. And with my foot, I pushed them to the ground. I said, sit down. Knocked two of them on their butts. That was it. So apparently I violated their civil rights by doing that. In order to convict me, they used a drug smuggler that tried to kill me. Six weeks after that incident, I got into it with a drug smuggler. This guy's body slammed me on the ground and was choking me out. And uh, to make a long story short, he ended up with a broken nose. So he got sentenced to 57 months and they used him for four days of trial to, to, to prosecute me for pushing the other guy on the ground because the other guy had no injuries. They really didn't have a case. So they had to use this drug smuggler's word against mine. So for, for those 20 years, um, I, man, it, it was a roller coaster. I, I did two years in prison in five different prisons. Um, got out in March of 2006, was on probation for two years, no problems there. And, you know, after you've been in the Coast Guard for nine years and go directly into the Border Patrol and, uh, and chase groups of 30, 40, 50 people at a time, nothing else is very challenging. You know, I don't know what else to do, you know. So I always try to keep a positive head, always try to keep moving forward. I got my, I got my bachelor's degree, got an associate's degree. Um, worked in the oil field, had my own business that fell apart. I mean, it's just been such a roller coaster, man. And again, so many times I felt like quitting. I'm like, I'm done. I'm so done with life. I'm so done. I was, I was on a podcast earlier, uh, earlier last year and talking about veteran suicide. And like a week after that, I'm sitting in the corner contem contemplating, writing a note, <laughs> you know, yeah. but, but I can't quit, never quit, you know? So Brendan just kept pushing forward and the whole time I'm networking and I'm trying to get my message, you know, especially in the past four years to President Trump, because I was like, President, I got incarcerated under President Bush. President Obama wasn't going to pardon me. So once Trump's got, Trump got elected, that was my only chance. So I spent a good part of the past four years just pushing it and pushing it and pushing trying to get it in front of them and apparently finally it did that's bullshit man i mean i wanted to ask you about that as well i mean do do people that are illegal aliens do they even have rights you said civil rights well do they even have rights well according to the u.s attorney at my trial the assistant u.s attorney at my trial he had 400 feet of civil rights because he was 400 feet into the united states and the constitution says any person in the united states doesn't say any citizen says any person and you know what? And I, let me tell you, I, I've seen these people come across and, you know, like the people that are coming across now, um, a lot of them need help. A lot of them, you know, are good people. Uh, nobody deserves to have, you know, the shit kicked out of them by, by a law enforcement official for no reason. Right. You know, I didn't do that, but I'm just saying, I, I do believe that, you know, even if they're not from this country, just as a human person, you know, you don't deserve to be abused just because you're from another country. You know, uh, that being said, that's not that's not what I did, but that's what I was charged with. And um, at, at the appeal, they even said that uh, 
I didn't use excessive force, but somehow it was it was my intent that was malicious. I'm like, so you put me in prison because you think my intention was wrong? <laughs> you know, I don't I don't understand it either, brother. But it's been such a up and down ride, and you know, I try to stay focused. I tried to stay focused, and you know, uh, my faith, my friends. I got a lot of law enforcement friends. Got a lot of military friends. Um, a lot of military groups done a lot of things just to stay on that track and a lot of people supporting me from uh, Sarah Carter, Laura Ingram, you know, at Fox News to Joe Pags here in San Antonio, uh, a lot of country singers, Bernard Carrick, so many people uh, just pushing for me. And come this uh, past Christmas, it finally got in front of the president. That's awesome, man. Man, it, it was such a feeling. Let me tell you, I... Uh, as soon as I got the pardon, I got the pardon on Christmas Eve, Eve, on the, on the 23rd, my phone blew up for, for like four or five days. I must have gotten 2,500 phone calls. I still have a couple of hundred texts in my phone from Christmas that I haven't even answered. Um, I got calls from agents that at least 70, 80 calls from Border Patrol agents that I didn't even know that said, hey, I've been in the Border Patrol two, five, 10, 15 years. And uh, so-and-so was my instructor at the academy. I worked in this station with this guy that worked with you and they told me your story. And just, I have, I had even had one guy call me up and says, Hey, you're the whole reason I went into the border patrol, you know, and everybody just extended and said, I didn't think I was that damn popular. I guess I was popular for all the wrong reasons, brother, <laughs> you know, but I mean, the, the, the network and the support that I got was just overwhelming, man. That's cool, man. Was that frustrating? I mean, I, I can't imagine how frustrating that would be if you're out there just serving, just doing your thing. And Something as simple as is trying to make sure someone doesn't run off when it's your job to catch them, you know. You know, you know let me tell you, I uh, I spent many nights. I'm not I'm not afraid of much, you know. I'm not afraid of much. Um, I'm I'm, I'm afraid of being a nobody, but that's that's not going to happen. But I'm not afraid of much. And for me to have to cry myself to sleep in prison, trying to figure out not because I was afraid, you know. I mean, don't get me wrong, it was scary, but I wasn't afraid. But I don't know what I did wrong in my life that the federal government felt it had me to, it felt it had to put me in a place where I had to watch men screwing other men. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, 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 I did, it, it, I couldn't, it wouldn't compute in here. What did I do? You know, I, I, I served the country in the military. I was a good border patrol agent and I did exact, and that's the part that I can't find. I did exactly what I did by the book, what I was supposed to do. And it ended, it ended up in prison. And, you know, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, during the 70s and 80s. I'm going to be 55 years old. I grew up in Brooklyn during some real hard times. And, um, and I always avoided going to jail. I'm like, I can't do this. I'm going to end up in jail. If I do this, I'm going to end up in jail. I, and for some reason, I ended up in freaking prison anyway. And, it, and again, it's a different form of PTS, you know? It's a different form of PTS because it messes with your head. And I'm like, right now, I'm a real estate agent. And I do all right, but I'm still trying to figure out why why I wasn't able to retire. It still doesn't compute in my head, brother. This doesn't make any sense, man. I mean, when you hear about like the the rules of engagement, like overseas, and and you know, quote unquote rules of engagement with this kind of stuff with you, mm -hmm. I mean, who who makes these rules? It doesn't really make it doesn't really make much sense to. I don't think well, that many people. It's not really the rules. It's how they interpret the rules, how they twist it, how they twist it up, you know. Um, because, because like I said, one of the things, one of the things that I did wrong was, well, let me backtrack real quick in an 18 month investigation on my case, Brandon, 18 month investigation, not once did I ever see an investigator, not once did anybody ever ask me my side of the story. Not once did anybody ask me any questions about documents or nothing. But first time I ever said this is what happened at night was when I was at my trial. So how can you conduct a federal investigation, the Office of the Inspector General, how can they conduct an investigation without getting my side of the story? I don't know. You know, so, yeah. so I just don't understand because everything that I did was by the book. And now, now how they, one mistake that I did at my trial, since I hadn't told my story to an investigator, since I, nobody knew what I had to say, um, I was kind of eager to testify that that was my mistake because they took my words and twisted them against me. 
you know, and, and like I said, it's not the rules, it's how you interpret the rules. Because, I, you know, in the justice system, um, the laws and, and, and the halls of justice, they don't determine justice. What determines justice is how much money you got for a better attorney. You know, and that, that's the damn truth because I, I actually, when I went to the Court of Appeals at the Fifth Circuit, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. And you just think about all the history that's been in this place, right? Marble walls, marble floors, columns. I actually touched the walls at the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals and said, wow, the actual halls of justice, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and then during the Court of Appeals, the, the, the three judges, they basically reamed the government a new ass. They, 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 they got on the government, they, 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 chewed, they chewed them up. And I said, oh my God, they're on my side. I'm, get, I'm winning the appeal. Three weeks later, they wrote the exact opposite of what they said in the courtroom. And had I not been there, I would never have believed it. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. And to keep your mind going forward and stay positive and not be, everybody says, how can you not be bitter? How can you not be angry? I said, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm not, because I am. It's just, I'm actually tired of being bitter. I'm tired of carrying that weight. So for a long time, I've let it go and I've accepted it, but I've never stopped fighting, you know? And, and, and now, I, now I got a presidential pardon. And mind you, a pardon is, is good. It's the best I'm gonna get because uh, a pardon does not, does not prove innocence. So technically I'm still convicted of what I was charged with, but they basically said, we forgive you. Here's your rights back. Here's your guns back. Here's your, you can vote now. You can run. We forgive you. It's okay. But you still got that conviction on you. You know, it's, now had I been, a, now if I would have had the money to fight the federal government and get the case reversed and, and, and be deemed innocent, then they would have owed me back pay. I would have got my job back and all that stuff. But that didn't happen. I got, I got pardoned by the president, which is uh, as good as I'm going to get because the federal government Brendan, I'm not sure if you know this. Um, I'm sure you do, but the federal government is not designed to lose. Okay? Mm. You can't beat the federal government. If the federal government takes you to court, you're basically done. Because if they can't win the case with the truth, they'll win it by making you broke. Because they will, they, they've got a bottomless pit of money, and they will work you until you have no choice, till you're about to lose everything, and you have to take a plea bargain. Yeah, no, I, I I completely agree. Um, I think that. Are you familiar with a guy named Ian Smith? Ian Smith, Ian Smith. Uh, yes, owns a gym called Attilius Attilius. Gym. Yes, yes, Ian Smith. Yeah, I, I I know I know his partner Frank. Yeah, Frank Trimbetti. Good dudes, man. I'd love to get them. Very good. That's pretty much what's happening to them. They didn't, you exactly. know, correspond with the whole, you know, government mandates. They kept their gym open, and they're getting fined like twenty grand a day. Last I checked. Exactly. So it's exactly. like. And no. that's just the state. The, the feds have deeper yeah. pockets, you know. And uh, yeah, I talked to uh, I talked to Frank like right when that first started happening with them, and uh, and and I, I had Frank on my show a couple of times. But what they what they've done to those guys is disgusting as well. They boarded up their own business. I mean, talk about a civil rights violation. Yeah, <laughs> you know, talk yeah. about a civil rights violation. You're you're keeping me from making for making a living that's that's a civil rights violation there's there was a case down in down in south texas uh three sheriff's deputies uh and uh they were called the frio trio right and they were pulling over vehicles loaded with merchandise illegal aliens that were running merchandise back and forth they it wasn't stolen merchandise it was their stuff but they would like buy it here and go down and sell it in mexico or or whatever back and forth and they would take these people's uh merchandise they were they were robbing them and that they got charged with a civil rights violation because they were keeping them from making a living even though they were illegal and you know everything else but that the, what they were doing it was a deprivation of their rights under color of law so how that is not a deprivation of rights under color of law, what they did to Tillis Jim, I don't, I don't understand it. There's a lot of that going on right now, right? I mean, it's just, I, I say this every single time, it's just, it's a confusing time. I don't really, exactly. like, what's the solution to all this? Because good people like you, I mean, that are actually serving and doing much more than 99% of people mm -hmm. are getting put into these kinds of positions, you know, by just by doing your job. 
I've 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 managed to keep my head above water, but you know, basically the federal government ruined my life. Um, and this administration right now with these open borders, I mean, I don't understand where the logic is. Our border patrol agents are overwhelmed right now. They are they're uh, they're retiring early, they're getting sick, they're getting overworked. I mean, and you know, the policies that they're trying to enforce, this this administration is so confused as to what what to do the policies change every day. So what they're enforcing now and the way they're doing things, tomorrow they'll go to muster and they'll be like, okay, we're not doing it that way anymore. We're gonna do it this way. So it's a whole new plan of attack and these agents just don't know what to do anymore. They don't know, they, the Border Patrol is a law enforcement agency. It's meant to patrol the border, arrest subjects, bring them in. We can house them over the weekend if they need to see a magistrate or an immigration judge or go to court or whatever, you know, four or five days max but they're not a they're not a correction agency they're not meant to house people for weeks at a time and supply thousands of people with you know with food and water and and blankets logistically they're not cut for that that's not that's not their mission when we're, we're, we're not the bureau of prisons <laughs> you know what i mean yeah so so yeah so they're overwhelmed i mean they're and plus everybody that's getting through that we're not catching brendan this country this country is under siege right now and right under everybody's noses and they don't see it. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy, man. I mean, most of, you think most of this is happening, most of the people that are getting through, is that near South Texas? I'm from San Antonio. So is that oh, okay. down near where that is primarily? Uh, yeah, everything from, from the Valley mm -hmm. all the way all the way across the country to California, man, because I talked to agents in, in Chula Vista, in El Centro, Yuma, Ajo, uh, El Paso, Marfa. I mean, I've got, I know agents all, all across the border and it's just happening everywhere. Texas is getting hit really hard right now because we've got the most border because we're the biggest state, but the Rio Grande Valley is swamped. Um, West Texas is swamped. Del Rio sector is swamped. That's two hours from San Antonio. I mean, you're for, are you in San Antonio? No, I'm outside of St. Louis right now. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, the Freeman Coliseum just got turned into a detention center, you know? Yeah. I mean, and, and they're, they're housing everybody there and they got security issues. There, there's a couple of gangs running around. There's girls getting raped. There's, girl, there's children getting molested and raped on the way up here through their travels. I mean, these kids are by themselves. You don't think that these cartels and these predators out there, especially in Mexico, are going to come up and, you know, take advantage of that, that these kids are by themselves? I mean, it's, it's disgusting. Just, just with, a, with, a, with a swing of a pen, that he he ended all these sanctions that President Trump had. Now everybody's like, welcome here. I mean, it's it's just, it's putting our country at risk, bro, big time. Yeah, that's an understatement. I, I was talking to Jason yesterday and he was saying that, you know, there really isn't like any kind of restriction, like no actual barrier. People are just walking right in. I mean, I've never been down there, but I mean, like I was talking about this exact same thing yesterday because he was with the DHS for a little while. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we pretty much are reliant upon the federal government to do these things, to take care of us, but they're, they're willingly not doing that. So, I mean, like how, as a collective people, how are we supposed to, like, is there anything we can do or like, you know what I mean? Cause. You, you know, I, I, what's really scary about what you just said is normally the answer to that is vote them out. <laughs> you know, but yeah. but even now that even now we can't even do that because they'll rig the election, you know, but yeah. I mean, it, it's it, our, we have a great country, but sometimes this great country is not in the hands of great people. All right. And. Um, down down on the border, they just cut the border wall project to a complete stop. So there's sections that are just wide open. There's there's hundreds of miles of fence and then it just stops. And there's areas that have the fence and have gates that are open, right? Out in Arizona and, and, and California, the gates are open because they can only be, they're such, they're so heavy, they can only be closed with a motor. There's no motors installed because they cut the project short. So the, the, you got this whole this border wall and yeah. then the, the gates are open in several spots. You know, I mean, but but as people, man, we just need to, it, it, it's, it's kind of hard because the kind of people we are, as conservatives, we are law-abiding people. We are law-abiding people, and they know that. And they know that, which is why they're stomping all over us, because we're not going to come up and uprise on, when the time comes. 
I'm sure it will, but we're not going to come up and uprise and start burning buildings like everybody else does, because that's not in our nature, because we love this country. We don't abuse this country, you know? And, uh, it, man, as far, as far as what to do, just be ready and be ready when the time comes, because it's going to come to a head. At, at some point, Brendan, I think even the left has to realize that they're doing things wrong. You know, because there's only so much wrong you can do before even even stupid people are like, wait, this ain't right. You know? Yeah. I mean, well said. I mean, what frustrates me the most is people that I know that aren't saying that know it's wrong. Like just for the election, for example, like there was a in my opinion. But I mean, what do I know? There's a tremendous amount of videos, evidence, you know, recordings of people literally writing different names on the ballots and fucking the whole thing up. Right. Um, I could be wrong, but it, when there's that much of it and it's all over the place and they call states before the polls are even closed, it makes you ask questions. But what first frustrates me the most is people who align with, you know, the left, they may not agree with all that kind of stuff, but you know, their guy won. So they're, they're like, Oh, we won, or they don't say anything about it, but they don't realize that, you know, if they can win that way, then, what happens when they flip or do something else and your rights, like your vote doesn't count. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. And, and, and they do these things and don't realize what the consequences are. Right. You know? And, and like you were saying about all the evidence, here's the other thing they, you know, uh, the previous administration had tons of evidence, no court wanted to hear it. So how can you come up and, and make a decision when you don't hear the evidence? It's kind of like my case. How can you come up and make a decision when you haven't invest, heard my side of the story? You know, because they're afraid of what they're afraid of the repercussions. They're afraid of what's going to happen. You know, so they, they the, the courts didn't even want to hear it. Either they're left wing judges or they just didn't want to hear it because they want to be responsible for making a decision that would cause more havoc than what was already happening at the time. You know, because last year was really rough on our country, man, on our cities, on our economy, everything, you know. And, uh, and, and this year, this year, I mean, it's not looking any better. I mean, we're not having, well, as of right now, we're not having the rioting that we did last year, but look at this, look, look at this invasion that we're having on the Southern border, you know, hundreds of thousands of people arriving every month, hundreds of thousands arriving every month, kids, you know, adults, gang members, terrorists. It's our country, man. We need to protect it. We need to protect it. And, you know, how do we do that? As law-abiding citizens, how do we do that? I just got my rights back after 20 years, you know? I'm not afraid, like I said, I'm not afraid of many things, but, you know, I don't want to lose my rights again, <laughs> you know? I don't want to go to jail again, yeah. because obviously if I'm on the other side, I'm not going to go to jail, but if I'm on this side, you know, it's just, it's just a scary thing that this country's going through right now. But, you know, the other thing is, Brendan, this country's been through all that before. This country's been through everything before, and it will, it, justice will prevail in the long run. Yeah, I hope so, man. That's just a spooky thing though. It, it goes that high up. Like the, the courts wouldn't even want to hear about the election of the United States. Like if it's that high up, like what could, there's not really, you know, I mean, it's, it's scary. Brother, but look at what they're doing right now. The, the, the left, they, they, they rigged the election. They have taken control of the house and the Senate. All right. And the presidency. So they control all that. And they're not happy with that because now they want to pack the courts because they need to have control of the courts. They've already taken the education system. They already got Hollywood. They already got, you know, the, the music industry. Everybody over there is a lefty for the most part. You know, I mean, they want just complete monopoly and control of everything and they won't stop at anything to do it. Why? Because they know that as law abiding citizens that we are, because we believe in the Constitution, what, you know, they're, they're going to stomp all over everybody and something's got to come to a change eventually. The thing is, like, if we just had this conversation on the street, you know, people would go, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. Like, right. it's, not a it's not a conspiracy theory. It's a conspiracy. It's happening. Like, right. look around. Like, this is, it doesn't take much. I think that the problem is people's egos. They can't say, hey, you know, I got, I got tricked. We all got tricked. You know, is there's no shame in, you know, admitting it, you know, but I think the fraud, the problem is that people just can't say, okay, you know what, maybe I was wrong. You know, maybe the, I don't, you know, I still align as a, you know, Democrat or whatever, but I don't agree with this. Like people just can't have that conversation and just, you know, kind of give credit where credit's due. And that 
inability to communicate is, in my opinion, one of the many reasons why we're where we are. It, it, it's a lot of things. And I think um, a lot of it came with the, the, the racial divide that happened, you know, in, in the administration before Trump's, you know, there was a lot of racial divide. And that's where it first really started happening. And people were just divided now. And they, they don't realize that the rest of the world, I believe the rest of the world is gearing up for something. And when the, when the time comes that the shit hits a fan, us as a country, we're all we got together as Americans. Because when, God forbid, another world war breaks out, it's only us, you know? It's only us. And, and then at that time, the, all the divisions have to go away, you know? I mean, it's just, it's just crazy the way people think. And, and, you know, I was in Austin, Texas the other day, and I saw this, uh, I saw this guy. And this guy just looked like, 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 like a freaking nature, you know? I mean, he, he, he looked like a combination between a work of art and a hippie and something else. I don't know, he, dark, goth, whatever. I couldn't make him out. And I was looking at this guy and I was like, okay, I'm into everybody expressing themselves. I said, but you know, there are people in other countries that really want you dead for just the way that you're doing right now. Yeah. And if the time came, what do you got to offer? You know, what do you got to offer? Because the guy was stoned, you know, um, it's just like, we need to stand up and as, as Americans and, and, and right now under the last administration, Everybody feared this country. We were a superpower again. And right now everybody's just looking at this like, oh, y'all, y'all are screwed. I get messages from across the country. Dude, what's happening in your country? I mean, from across the world, what's happening in your country? You know, I got people in, in, in Australia and in, in, in uh, Germany in England telling me, dude, everybody's laughing at what's happening in the United States. They are. And y'all yeah. want to come and dictate what's happening around the world. Y'all can't even get, get it straight what's happening in your own country. And, you know, I blame a lot of that on this administration. You know, you're making us the laughing stock again. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so obvious. Like, if you don't see it by now, I don't, I don't, under, I don't think you will. You know, if you don't right. see what's going on. Like, I got a buddy from Venezuela, one of my, my gym partners. Great dude. Uh, but he's from Venezuela. He's like, dude, <laughs> you guys are stupid. And I'm like, <laughs> I wish people would, I wish, because immigrants... In, in this in this context, whether you're an illegal immigrant or not, they at least appreciate what we have here. You right. know, it's it's frustrating that people. It's I feel like we just have it so good, you know, that people don't understand. And, how, and that's what it is. We're we're the we're the spoiled nation of America. You know, yeah. we're the spoiled nation of America. I I don't take a lot of things for granted, you know, um, because I've been at the top and I've lost everything I've had several several times. I mean. I, I, I ended up in, in prison, you know, I ended up in prison, how you can't get much lower than that. And I'm grateful for everything the country's got to offer. I'm grateful for everybody I have in my life. Um, I try to stay as positive as I can, sometimes more than others. You know, I'm only human, but uh, I always try to find a good side of everything. I, I just got my rights back. I've been doing plenty of shooting, catching up on 20 years, you know, um, been investing quite a bit into that second amendment right myself <laughs> you know and uh it just it, it feed for the first time in a long time and um I, I can sit on the corner and watch traffic go back and forth and people walking and just enjoy it and a lot of people don't do that because they got to find misery and 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 anger and express it that way and i don't understand why because this is still the best country anybody's ever lived in despite of all its faults, despite of, it's not perfect. I didn't say it's a perfect country. I said, it's still the best, no matter where you go. If it wasn't, there wouldn't be people coming from across the world to come here. I mean, it's like, exactly. it's not like that's your opinion, Yeah, it yeah. Is, but it's everybody else's opinion as well. So, I mean, you know, I, that, that perspective that you talked about, it's just I, more people need to have that because they'd appreciate everything. You mm -hmm. know, they wouldn't be so pissed off they're in traffic or, you know, if they're late to work, they would just, just relax. Like it's really you know, not, that, not that big of a deal. I'm going to tell you a quick story, Brendan, now that you said traffic and I, this is one reason I appreciate traffic right now. Um, when they first picked me up, they brought me to a, 
it was in 2004. They brought me to a contract prison downtown San Antonio. And uh, I was actually in a jail cell. And across the way, there was some big windows, but they were frosted. So you couldn't see out of them. You could only tell if it was day or night. But there was a little, about an eight-inch sliver of window, about three inches wide, eight inches long, that was broken. And I can see out. And when I'm looking out, I can see the Bear County Jail and I-10 right across there, right? So I knew what time it was by the way the rush hour traffic was going back and forth. And I'm sitting there one day and I'm just looking at traffic and I'm like, okay, it, it's, it's gotta be, you know, five o'clock cause it's rush hour. And I was like, man, I wish I was in traffic. <laughs> you know, I was so bad I was in traffic right now. And I said, you know what, when I get out of here which was about two years left after that I had that thought, when I get out of here Next time I'm in traffic and I get start getting angry, I'm gonna be like, you know what? I could be in prison. So every time I get I get stuck in traffic, I'm like, ah oh, shit, you know, freaking traffic. I'm like, you know what? It's just traffic. I'll get through it. You know, and it, you come to realize a lot of things when you're uh, locked up by yourself for a long time. You know, when you get your rights and your life taken away from you for 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 doing your job and don't expect it. Um. Just, you know, just a lot, a lot of our troops overseas, man, that they're, they're where they don't want to be serving our country. And they come back and, you know, they don't know what to do because they've gotten so used to being to where, where they were, you know? So I don't know. It's just thoughts. Oh, well said. Um, I mean, I wanted to ask you this earlier. I mean, I do you think we're restricting our military and border patrol more than we should. Cause I mean, like we mentioned a little bit, like we touched on a little bit with the you know rules of engagement I don't know if that's the you know correct term when it comes to you know DHS and Border Patrol, uh, but the way you're supposed to handle yourself around the people you're engaging with, um, is that too tight? Like are the restrictions too tight? Because like just the first thing that comes to mind when I think of something like that is the movie Lone Survivor. You know, I'm a civilian. I don't have very many experiences like that. Right. You know, the movie Lone Survivor, they weren't able to actually do their thing and execute their mission the way they were supposed to. You know, I'm not saying they should have done anything different, but you know they were restricted, you know, what's it like with that? Well, I've been out of the, I've been out of the military for over 24 years since 1998. Um, but we've always had our, they've always had their hands tied and the rules of engagement always change. You know, at one point you couldn't fire upon the enemy unless they were firing upon you. And I think that's a crock of shit right there. You know, um, if you're being sent into a war zone and you see the enemy, you should be able to engage the enemy. Uh, as far as law enforcement goes, man, especially with this trial that's going on right now, um, like we said before, it's it, it's how you interpret it. You know, like like when it comes to the border patrol, I always tell people, here's an easy answer to our border patrol problem. All right, you know, and, and I'm getting away from the rules engagement for a minute, but everybody's like, how do we shut down the border? How how can we fix this? I said it's real easy. I just I just said this to Chad Prey the other day. I said it's real easy. You let the agents we have now enforce the laws we have now and don't restrict them let them do their jobs and we will shut down the border in a matter of weeks and nobody will get in or out but they don't let them do that right now um you, you've heard of board star the border search trauma and rescue unit right that, that's an that's an elite unit of the border patrol they those guys have it made um and they're they're retiring early because of being restricted they are pulling them off their duties, assigned duties of patrolling the brush because they go and they look for people that have been stranded, that are that are dying of uh, uh, if exhaustion, heat exposure, everything, right? They're being brought into a process. They're being brought in to work the line with the regular line agents. Um, so they're not out there doing their job. And in Arizona, they're in, in the interior on Highway 8, the state police and the sheriff's office are having bailouts where they're trying to stop vehicles and the vehicles are bailing out through the fences and people are running and, you know, they're not going to go after them. So they, 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 there's no border patrol presence on the interior and there is so much traffic getting through that these guys have their hands tied. They, they, they can't. In Arizona, they are shutting down 60 plus miles of, of uh, border because they need to bring the agents in process all right so it's completely unmanned the zones are collapsed completely unmanned so who knows what's getting through there you know and 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 as a matter as a matter of being restricted as far as using the use of force look at what happened to me man you do exactly as you're taught 
and and you know you end up getting locked up for it so i mean it's just there's always that fear and there's always going to be that fear because it's just just the way it is you don't know what's going on with this administration right now and when me it was a republican administration when it happened to me so you just never know yeah that's a great point as well did like your superiors did they vouch for you did they try yes. to stand up for you yes and here's another thing going far as that the border patrol does not have a good track record of protecting its agents all right if you get jammed up and in, in the border patrol you know basically your, your supervisor is going to clam up or be like hey i'm not involved ironically in my case hmm. all my supervisors testified in court on my behalf he's a truthful agent he's an honest agent he's a hard-working agent um, if he, if he's on trial for this, we should all be on trial for this. We taught him that they all, all of them, I had the, about six or seven supervisors that testified on my behalf at the closing arguments. They tried making all my supervisors look like liars. Yeah. So, you know, all, all on the word of a trainee agent, you know, who they, the federal government got to, cause they got him to change his story and man, they even wanted to change the time of day, you know? And the person who was drawing these charges against you was the U.S. attorney. U.S. attorney, I'm assuming, was a civilian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the U.S. Attorney. I, I didn't get charged by. Well, it was the illegal alien that made the complaint, but the U.S. attorney picked up the charge and and sent the office of the inspector general after me. My bosses were like, "Gary, it's not us. It's not the border patrol. We got nothing to do with this. I had an outside agency come come that crashing down on top of me." That's what frustrates people like me, I think, is people from the outside that have never done what they're, it's like, it's like a coach, a football coach, something like that, that's never played football, who's right. saying, you guys should, you guys should, you know, Tom Brady should have ducked down instead of throwing that ball. It's like, you never played before. Right. You know, why are you telling this person how to do their job? You know, exactly. the people that are, you know, planning out a, a mission overseas or, you know, whatever it might be, this is how you need to go in here. You need to open this door this way. You need to treat these people. It doesn't work that way. You can't just plan things out like that. I mean, I could be wrong. I mean, correct oh, me. You're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely yeah. right. I had a, the, the U.S. attorney comes up and he handed me the use of force policy. Now, mind you, I know the use of force policy. When I was in the Coast Guard, I taught it for many years. I know it like the back of my hand. And, um, and the Border Patrol policy is not any different. It's actually the same use of force policy. So he underlined certain things in the use of force policy. And I was like, he goes, will you read the underlying part for me? So I started reading the whole thing. And he's like, no, 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 just the underlying part. I said, you can't tell me just to read this little part when the whole thing is what applies. You can't pick and choose from this, from behind your desk which part of the use of force I'm going to use when I'm out in the field surrounded by 15 illegal aliens. You know, yeah. I said, this is, this is just a guideline for us to use. And he snatched it out of my hand at the trial. He goes, a guideline, or just a piece of paper. That's the second time I've heard that uh term used in this trial is that what you think of the constitution just a piece of paper so i said can i see that and he was like well you already had it and i i said can i see it he wouldn't give it to me so the judge made him give it to me and i went to the back of the use of force policy because like i said i know it like the back of my hand i went to the back and on the back it said summary and it said this use of force policy is to be used as a guideline for agents in the field to make sound decisions and i read that out loud and he snatched out my hands veins popping out of his forehead you know, I mean, it says it right there in the document that you're reading, that you're having me read, you know? So, I mean, I, I just don't get it. It was, it was a headhunt. I don't know. I got a lot of conspiracy theories, you know, I haven't thought about it for 20 years, but, you know, I can't prove any of it. So I don't usually talk about them. So, but they're pretty good. I'll tell you about them one day. You definitely need to, man. I mean, just hearing this, man, I, I'm sure the people that are listening as well are probably, I mean, I'm just getting pissed off. Like it frustrates me. You know, brother, I just, not too long ago, I did the Drinking Bros podcast, right? And the first thing I told them was, you're not going to believe this story because it's so simple. And everything that they built it out to be is crazy. I, brother, I ran up, I put my hand on my weapon, and I pushed the guy from the squatting to the sitting position. That's all I did, yeah. you know? And, and I got sent to jail for two years for that, and I don't know why. And, and they, they went so out of their way to prosecute this case, which is, I don't get it, which there has to be more to it. And I'll never know because I just never know. Yeah, how, how far they went out of their way to, to pursue you and do that. That's, that's what 
confused. Like if they just dropped after a little while, but they just kept on going. That's that's insane, man. Um, I wanted to ask you this as well. Uh, not to cut. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, how do you stay positive in all this? I mean, like this is obviously a very negative time. Like over the past, you know, year or two, or year and a half, probably more specifically. You know, with the 20. whole COVID and everything else. Yeah. Twenty years, man. Yeah. I mean, how do you stay positive and just just you know keep moving forward? Because most people would just like you mentioned earlier. You're you know talk about writing a note. I mean, most people wouldn't be able to make it through even half of what you've done. So, I mean, how do, how do you keep a positive mindset? Well, it, it, it hasn't been easy. I'll tell you that right now. I mean, it's still not easy. And I've already got the part and it's still not easy. But um, I, uh, a, a, a lot of it has to do with my faith. And a lot of it has to, be, has to do with uh, never quitting. You know, lone survivor, never quit. The guy never quit. Never quit. Keep pushing forward. And, and you know, I always try to uh, make my own excuse. You know, because I always say, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not afraid of dying. Okay. I'm not afraid of dying because I would have been the easy way out. And, you know, I'm, I'm straight with God and I've done everything that I've ever wanted to do in my life, even if it was for a short time, you know, but I'm afraid of living because the way my luck rose, man, the way my luck rose, if I would have drive my motorcycle into the oncoming semi truck, I would actually go through the thing, come out the back and then be like a vegetable for the rest of my life and still live and be like, okay, this ain't no better. <laughs> you know, yeah. so, so, you know, I'm before I went to prison, uh, I, I did attempt uh, something twice back in uh, 2001, 2002, uh, because I was just like done. And uh, I was afraid I was afraid of going to prison. But uh, I didn't pull it off. So I was like, with my luck, I'm not going to pull it off. And I'm going to make my life a lot worse than what it is now. So I go to church. I hang out, I surround myself with really, really good people. I don't have time for any negativity in my life. I had a, I had a, I had a long-term relationship that was kind of toxic and, uh, and, and that brought me down a lot, but you know, you just got to stay positive, man. I, it, you got to fight your way to come out on top because quitting is not an option. If you quit, you lose the war. If you quit, you lose the war. You know, if you, if you continue, you fight another day. And I've, you know, everybody says, take it day by day, hour by hour. I'll tell you, I've had to take it minute by minute sometime, you know, in jail and, and out. I've had to be like, you know what? I got to make it another five minutes. So I'll get up and do something. All right. Another five minutes. I've been at that point several times, you know, uh, last time when I told you uh, last year, when I was in the corner, I was getting ready to write a note. And I had just done a podcast with some really good people about veteran suicide and veteran suicide awareness. And here I am a week later in the corner trying to figure out where I'm going with my life. I said, you know what? I'm going to write a note. Right about then, my phone dinged and it was my Bible app. And I was like, right when I said that, my Bible app went off. I said, seriously? Looked up at the ceiling and I was like, seriously? And I opened up and it, it, it said, you know, in, in, in hard times, put all your faith in the hands of God, you know, and all that. I was like, you're sending me a text. <laughs> you know, so I got up and took a cold shower and put on my big boy panties and continued about my day. You know, just keep pushing on, bro. It's not easy. It's it's not easy at all. But, you know, I, I found some vices. Sometimes I was drinking more than others. Other times I got on my motorcycle and rode as fast as I can because that's how what I needed to do. And uh, nowadays I just take care of my mom and surround myself with good people. Look, and I look, look forward to the future. You know, look, look at what's coming. That, that's a big part of it. That's incredible, man. There's so many people that can benefit from an ounce of that mindset. Don't quit, man. It's not an option. It's not an option. You know, yeah. and, and if you feel like quitting, reach out because I've reached out. I've reached out to, to many people. You know, and like I said, I surround myself with good people. I, I, I hang out with guys at Warfighter Tobacco. They're, that's that clears my head so much because these are such good guys, you know, and, and, and they're great entrepreneurs and they're veterans. And, you know, and being in that environment picks me up, you know. Um, there's, a, there's a guy up north running for governor, Chad Prather. He boosts me up with his words. I watch his podcast. His attitude enlightens me, you know, listen to good music. 
listen to good music. That's a real big part of it because you can't maintain a positive attitude listening to, you know, music that's going to freaking bring your blood pressure up and bring your mindset down. Yeah. You know, and don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm a heavy metal guy, man. I'm all about Slayer, Anthrax, Nuclear Assault. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm all I'm all about it. You know, but hey, so, sometimes you got to listen to some uh, kid rock born free, you know? Yeah. So. No, yeah, man. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I've spoken to a lot of pretty cool people, and this is by far, I think, my favorite conversation, man. Oh, come on. I, I just have <laughs> a shitload of respect for you, man. That's, that's I appreciate it, man. No, it's, it's, it's real, man. So, I mean, it's, it's not easy to go through that. And it's, it's not easy for me to, I mean, it's, you can't even compare it, but for me to even hear this, it's like, it makes me frustrated. And, uh, you know, a lot of people feel the same way. Most people feel the same way. You know, uh, I, I went through a lot of things trying to figure out where it's, where my life is going to go. And, you know, when this happened to me, it was sick. It was, uh, this happened in, the incident happened in January. This happened nine months before 9-11. All right. So when 9-11 happened, I couldn't even do anything to help. And it happened in my hometown in New York. I'm from Brooklyn originally, you know? So I was stuck working a desk. I couldn't, everybody, all my fellow agents were getting deployed across the country, you know, M4s stacked out, you know, battle rattle, the whole thing. And I had to sit there behind a desk with a rubber gun, you know? Um, I couldn't go, I couldn't go serve overseas when I got out of prison. You know, I couldn't, I, I could not even get a job wiping tables at one of the freaking bases in Iraq. I could, I couldn't get a job taking out the garbage, you know? Um, and it's just, I, I would have been able to retire on in February of 2018 with 29 years of service at age 51. And I got zero right now. I got zero retirement. I got trainees that I trained that are getting ready to retire, you know? All my friends are retiring and I got nothing. So what do I do? I just keep pushing forward. You know, there's something, something's got to give. And if it doesn't, well, I tried. That's bullshit, man. <laughs> is what it is, brother. Can't change it now. They have a lot of, like a lot of law enforcement officers nowadays too. They kind of like use their, their pension as like a hostage, like right. to carry out what they need to do. So exactly. they're kind of putting a, a tough spot. I think they're kind of, you know, cops and people who enforce the law they're kind of the, it seems like they're with all the corruption they're kind of the x factor you know exactly. if, if they do they just go along with it even though it's wrong and they know it's wrong then you know but, we're pretty much fucked. like you said everybody's <laughs> hands are tied right now yeah everybody's hands are tied right now you know and and you know that like what's happening in minnesota right now is this guy guilty or innocent i I don't know. I wasn't there. I'm not him. You know, um, I got my own opinions. You know, people may not agree with it. But one thing I know is with 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 him and all the way back to Michael Brown and everything else that's happened. If they hadn't resisted, they'd be alive. If they hadn't resisted, they'd be alive because not one of those cops went out with the intent to kill anybody that day. They didn't get up in the morning and say, yeah, you know what? It's Tuesday. I'm going to kill somebody today. Not one of them did that, you know? So, so yeah, their, their, their family's lives changed because, you know, they lost a family member, but you know what? This cop's got to live with it and their lives changed and their family's lives changed too because your guy resisted. It's that simple. And to, and to sit on the sidelines when you never, I mean, I'm not a police officer or, you know, border patrol agent. I mean, to sit on the sidelines and judge someone on how they perform their job when you have no idea how that works or how complex and, you know, the emotions. And I'm sure that happens probably just like that. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's so quick. You need to be very well prepared and trained to be able to make it happen and execute effectively. That's what frustrates me, man. Cause I mean, people are just casting judgment. You, you, you know, Brendan, Gerardo Rivera and, and Dan Bongino have been going, going at it back and forth because of that same reason, Yeah, you know, Gerardo's like, I've got the answer, put the weapon on the on on the weak side and put the taser on the strong side that way if you got to use a weapon you naturally just pull out a taser and Dan Bargino's like I can't even process that you idiot <laughs> yeah. and that's what he's talking about he, he Dan, ben, Dan Bongino put it the best when he was talking to Gerardo he says just because you report and you're the number one reporter on law enforcement 
doesn't make you a cop. He goes, just because you report on baseball doesn't mean you're going to win the World Series. Yeah. You know, exactly. And then that's that's it. By the way, Bongino's awesome. Yeah, I think he is a he's a cop too, isn't he? He like, was. Yeah, he was a Secret Service agent and an NYPD. He's awesome, man. Yeah, I he was, is. I saw Gerardo was like, you son of a bitch. Like, was like all the names and stuff. You're a punk. Yeah, you're, you're a, a punk, punk. Bungie. <laughs> <laughs> and Dan's all come. He's like, you wouldn't say that to my face. Yeah, he wouldn't. <laughs> I don't think very many people would. Yeah. I mean, it's just, the, I want to be respectful of your time. So I don't know really how much time you. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm good, man. But. Sure, uh, podcast. <laughs> but um, it's just kind of the frustrating thing about that, man, is that people who have never been in this position or, or in, and weren't there. They have an opinion about something they don't really have all the facts about. And, you know, in your case, the people that are drawing these charges against you that are actually prosecuting you, you know, you mentioned the one that complained about it was the illegal alien. You know, I'm sure they're going to complain anyway, no matter what happened. And the people who are going after you. You know, there was there was something beyond that. And like I said, I don't I don't know. And I'll probably never find out. But one thing that happened. At the trial, my attorney asked this illegal alien, is the government promising you anything for your testimony? No. Did they make you any, uh, did they say they're going to compensate you? No. Did they make you any promises? No. Are you, are you being rewarded? He said it like seven different ways. And no, no, no. So that was in 2002, in October. In April of 2003, six months later, did a TV interview with a Spanish news channel. And at the end of the interview, when it aired, at the end of the interview, the, the host, the anchor of the TV show, it was kind of like a Spanish 60 minutes kind of thing, right? At the end, of the, at the, end the anchor says, you know, Gary Brevin was convicted and is out on bond, pending an appeal, whatnot, living between Eagle Pass and San Antonio, Texas, right? And he goes, and for his part, the uh, illegal alien was deported back to Mexico and, uh, and, and his daughter received the chemotherapy that she so badly needed. Well, who paid for that six months later? Did he win the lottery? Because, because, and the TV show, he had said that the reason he was coming to the United States was because he needed to uh, earn money for his daughter's chemotherapy. That never came out in a four-day trial. So he's coming to earn money for chemotherapy. So now, six months later, his daughter's completed chemotherapy. Who paid for that? Mexican government? I don't think so. He wouldn't have came here in the first place. Did he win the lottery? You had to be the U.S. government. Yeah, had to be what they promised him. I don't, you know, and 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 that's one of those theories that I'm telling you that I, other than that TV interview, I can't prove because every time I file a Freedom Information Act on my case, all I get is redacted. Everything blackened out, nothing. I literally get like a black sheet of paper. That's so, cool. you know, and there's a lot of things, there's a lot of other small things that happen that's just crazy, man. You know, like, like, uh, I got, before all of this happened in, in 2020, I got called to the chief's office in Del Rio, Texas. And I was like three hours away. I got called to the chief's office. It's supposed to be a hush-hush meeting. I'm talking about it now because, you know, it's years later. But um, there were two FBI agents there, and they said that the Gulf cartel had put a $2.5 million bounty on me. I'm like, okay. And they wanted me to go work in Montana for at least a year. I was like, and this was October. I was like, you mean like Canada, Montana? They were like, yeah. I was like, no, why can't I go work in Miami? Because I'd you know, i rather be running boats in Miami, you know? And they're like, no, no, we can't send you to Miami. It's got to be Montana. I was like, do I have to go? And my chief was like, you don't have to do anything. So I was like, well, you know, they said, if you don't go, we can't adequately protect you. I was like, you said you'd known about this for three weeks. I just came from the brush. I didn't see you following me around the brush in your fancy little suits protecting me. So anyway, fast forward. Um, I, I ended up getting taken to prison or being charged like six months after that. And uh, I put under investigation. And then uh, right, when, right before I went to prison, that chief dies in, in his early 50s. Just dies, natural causes. So you can't talk to the chief anymore about that. I don't know who these FBI agents are. So that's completely done and off the record. I mean, there's just so many little things. And like I, when I say conspiracies, I got a lot of things, but I just can't prove any of it. And it's just crazy. And the things that the government will do, you know, things that they'll make things disappear. They'll make testimony show up. They'll do whatever they can, you know? Yeah. I was telling you about the federal government not being designed. 
to, uh, to fail. At my trial, I went into the restroom during one of the breaks and you had, you had the uh, assistant US attorney, you had the Mexican consulate, you had a couple of people working projectors and their aides and stuff, but they brought this civil rights trial lawyer from Washington DC, specifically for my case. This guy's name was Brent, Brent Allen Gray. And uh, I was using the restroom during one of the breaks and he walks in and this was late October in 2002. He goes, Halloween in, Halloween in Austin. He goes, you going out drinking tonight? And I was like, no, you? He says, nope, I got a trial to win. So I looked and I said, you really think I'm guilty about this? You really think I did this on purpose or I'm guilty of what you're charging me with? And he zips up and he's laughing. He's like, you know, it doesn't matter what I think. He goes, I got a $50 million budget to make sure you go to jail and you're going to jail. It's just a matter of how long. And I felt like a bucket of warm water just get poured all over me. And, um, and that's, that's what it felt like. And he said, see you in court. So at that point, I kind of got this feeling that I was screwed. And that's when I tell you, the federal government's not designed for you to lose, uh, for you to win. It's, if, you, if they can't beat you with the truth, they'll just keep on coming after you until you're broke because they have endless pockets. I guess my final question would be, what would you suggest to somebody who might be going through that that's, that's, that's much more obscure than, you know, Ian Smith or someone like you that got a lot of attention, you know, with the media and people, you know, trying to support you? What would you say to somebody who, you know, might not, you know, have the name to, you know? It, it, it's kind of it's kind of hard to give one piece of advice, you know. Um, but I guess the main thing, and I, again, I'm going to refer to this trial that's going on right now, this this uh, this Minneapolis trial. A couple of days ago, that that officer Chauvin, he said, uh, he pleaded the fifth, said he wasn't going to testify. That's the smartest thing he could have done. As bad as you want to tell your story, and as bad as you think that if they hear your words, that they're gonna the jury's going to feel your heart. No, don't testify. That, that, that was my mistake. Don't testify. It's the, it's their job to prove you guilty. It's not your job to prove yourself innocent, you know? Well, so well, among, among everything, if you're being brought to trial, that's, that's the best thing I can tell you. Do, don't, don't say a word. You ain't got to say a word. Because they'll take whatever you say and just, you're just giving them more evidence to use against you. And they're better at moving words around than you are. Believe me, lawyers and prosecutors will always be better than you are when it comes to moving your words around. Whatever you try to explain to the jury, they will take that and unexplain it. So, yeah, don't 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 testify. And the and the if if any other advice, man, get your congressman involved and get get as many people involved as you can because in this day and age, you got to get it on YouTube, you got to get it on Facebook, you got to get it everywhere so that everybody knows because if not, they'll just have their way with you. Yeah, you got to get attention, get people yeah. talking about it and shed light on the corruption. The and, and the more people that find out about it, the more people that will be willing to help you. Yeah, you know? and the, 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 court, the court of social media, brother, it sucks, but that's, that, that's, that's, that's where it's at in this modern day, brother. Yeah. The Twitter mafia. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, <laughs> man. It's, it's, it's scary that that's where we're at. Awesome, Gary. So, I mean, how can, how can we support you, man? What can, what can oh, we man, do? I got, uh, right, right now I'm bringing my podcast back. Uh, I, I took it down for a while uh, until I got my pardon and uh, at the request of some people that were helping me and, and uh, see, I actually started my podcast so I can get the president's attention and get a pardon. And then I got my pardon. I was like, wow, Mission accomplished, you know, and I still want to keep on doing it. But honestly, since I got the pardon, my life has completely changed and I got so many more things going on and I don't have the time that I did before, but I still, I, mean, I miss doing the podcast and a lot of people have been asking me for it. So I'm going to bring it back. I'm uploading some episodes now. So hopefully early May, I'll be able to bring back some new episodes and uh, I'll, I'll let you know when it happens. But uh, basically I, I, I got my Facebook, which is Gary Brugman. Uh, my Twitter, which is the letter X border cop, X border cop, and my uh, Instagram, which is just uh, Gary dot Brugman. Awesome, man. And what's the uh, title of your podcast? We can find that and stay up to date. It's the Gary Brugman podcast. Awesome, brother. Yep. Well, 
you know, on behalf of everybody that's listening to this, man, I just appreciate the fuck out of you. I'm, I'm, you know, there's, there's not that many people that have, you know, had to go through the, the kind of stuff that you've gone through or there, there may be, I don't know, but I feel like very few people will ever understand what that's really like myself included. So, um, I know you, I didn't mention this before, but you're also in the coast guard. So I appreciate your service, you know, in that as well. So, um, thanks so much, man. Thanks for coming on the show. I'd do it again if they let me, man. Thanks for having me and holler at me anytime. Awesome, brother.